listening to the Arise Church podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. survey the room um, and ask a question, what do you want to be known for? Or what do you want to be remembered by? I think all of us might have one of a few answers. And by the time we really summarized it and brought it all together, there'd be great unity. There will be great unity in this room, no matter what your background is, how old you are, uh, what your place in spiritual life is, I think it would all be summed up in the reality that I just want to be known to be real. After we talked about a good person or a generous person, a person of great faith, a humble person, um, a kind individual, no matter what it was that you said, I want to be known or remember by, you would probably bring that back to the center with the rest of us to say, whatever it is that I want to be remembered as, I want to be known as a real one. Would you agree? I think everybody wants to be known as authentic. And the Colossians weren't any different, which was why Paul was writing to them. Paul was writing to reassure the Colossians of their genuine faith and new life in Christ because there was this group of false teachers who had been stirring up some trouble and who had been teaching that there's got to be a little bit more to the faith and more to uh, the religion that you have. It can't be that it's just you believe this message by this guy Epaphras who came having said that he heard from somebody named Paul and now you are God's children? False teachers were unsettling them and the Colossians were suffering behind that. And so Paul was writing really to, 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 to combat these who had crept in and who said, uh, uh, or who he said in Colossians chapter 2, they had been teaching kind of these fine-sounding arguments, these plausible, believable, and even seemingly correct arguments because they were mingling in other religion with the faith, and they were trying to get the Colossians to follow them, or most likely some sort of Jewish believers or Jewish uh, of the Jewish tradition because of the things that Paul would go through the letter and say, you don't have to keep to the Sabbath and the holy days and all these feasts and festivals. But at the end of the day, what they were saying is it's got to be Jesus and up something else. They're saying it's Jesus plus circumcision or it's Jesus plus your observance of the Sabbath. And Paul was writing for the sake of the Colossians, and I would even say for our sake, So that if someone would try and unsettle you based on your belief in the Lord Jesus, you'd be able to recognize what authenticity is as it relates to Christianity. What is an authentic Christian? What's a genuine believer? Are you one? Am I one? 
Is it because of what I do? Because of the church that I attend or uh, the time and the mode and the, the, the way in which, the place that I was baptized? What is a genuine Christian and what is authentic Christianity? That's what this text really answers for us. Read with me from verses 1 down to 8. Colossians chapter 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing as it also does among you since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a fellow or a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. The title of today's sermon is simply Authentic Christianity. If you're taking notes, that'd be our heading. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at verses 3 down to 8 and discover the true marks of a believer. What are the true marks of an authentic faith or a person who has genuinely been transformed? And I hope that this sermon will help us, most of us, to be assured of our salvation and some of us just to be encouraged by the ease with which God has uh, made salvation available. The invitation is always open. No matter if you're a boy or a girl or a man or a woman, the invitation is always open that Jesus Christ literally is the Savior of the world and you can come to him today. And so in this section of scripture, here's what we're going to see. That people transformed by the gospel accept it by faith and apply it in love because it arises from hope. Those are going to be our three main points. And we'll talk around just these five verses and really look at faith, hope, and love. Accept it by faith. Apply it in love because it arises from hope. Look at the... um, Verse number three, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. Paul begins, and the first thing he does is he takes us to God. He three times over talks about this proper name for God. The first thing he says is that I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ or of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And then he says, grace and peace be to you. From God our Father. And then in this verse that we see in verse 3, he says, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. It was a significant effort, I think, of Paul reassuring the Colossians that, no, you have believed in the right God, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who rules all things. God, the father of all, who is not just any God, but he is Yahweh and he is the one who is and was and is to come, he's your father. And when I pray, I'm thankful for you in my prayers, praying to him. 
I think it's interesting when we think about what an authentic mark of a, a, a genuine believer or authentic Christianity is, whether we see that in uh, the context of our own lives or we're looking at another person, I think the first thing we've got to do is evaluate what are we talking about and who are we talking about. You think about true religion and you think about if a person is genuinely born again and knows God, you have to be careful and, and be honest with the fact that people believe in God all kinds of ways. Some people believe that they themselves are God. James says that the demons believe in God and even they shudder, but they're not saved. And so when we want to consider who and what and, 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 and what it is that God has called us to or, or, or what, what um, the mark of faith looks like, it's interesting and I think it's important to consider God, the God of the, uh, the creation, the one who is over all. And more specifically, to reins- uh, I think reassure these Gentile converts to Christianity that their faith was in the one true God, he ties it. <laughs> he ties it to the Lord Jesus Christ over and over again. The Father, Right? of our Lord, Jesus Christ. I saw something pretty uh, eye-opening this week on Facebook. It was a friend of mine who's in Brooklyn, New York, and it was the picture that I've seen a dozen times of these folks wearing these God is dope shirts and these God is dope hats. And it's like, oh yeah, I've seen that a lot. And I went ahead and read the brick that he wrote on his Facebook, and he just said, hey, I just realized that the person who espouses this brand to Christianity, does not believe in Jesus Christ and is only using this to pervert and to really use and and, and manipulate and get money from the Christian community. And another friend wrote down there like, man, that's so interesting because our God has a name. Now, mind you, in my... um, in my kind of uh, 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 perception or perspective, from my perspective, this brand of street clothes has been one of the most popular brands in the last six or seven years. And I know hundreds of people who got these clothes. It's got the Nike font on the back of the hat. It says, just God with the period. It's got the big God is dope across the shirt. And the whole time, the people who run that business are saying, We actually started this because there was a rapper named God, and then he fell off, but we figured we could still use all the merch, and then it blew up. Ain't that crazy, y'all? God, generally, is something that people can espouse themselves to and uh, try to uh, attach a faith to all over the place, but Paul links God together with Jesus in this unmistakable tie that he's an apostle of Christ Jesus according to the will of God, that he is thanking God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Most importantly, we, as we think about God and faith, we must recognize that Paul was thankful for the Colossians' faith, and I think uh, Dan, in the last couple weeks, I brought it up last week too, has already helped us to understand very well what faith is. It's belief, trust. It's looking forward to something with a confident expectation. So Paul zeroed in not just on what their faith was, but who their faith was in. Their faith was in God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Our faith is actually hidden in him. It's only because of the Lord Jesus, right? 
He says, since we heard of your faith in Jesus Christ, we've not ceased to pray for you and be thankful for you because you've got faith in the right place. He's not just concerned about whether or not faith is uh, resident in a person. People can have faith in themselves. There's a word of faith movement. There's a name it and claim it and blab it and grab it. I mean, faith is all over the place. But what he says, right, what he says is I've not ceased to pray and be thankful for you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Authentic Christianity is recognized not by a person because they have faith, but it's because of the object of their faith. So when you go back and ask yourself the question as to whether or not I'm real or authentic, I think one of the ways that you can survey that and really take inventory of your life is just ask yourself, say, self, (laughs) who do you believe in? What are you trusting in? What are you looking forward to? Paul wrote to the Colossians and says, you believe in the right God. You believe in the right things. You trust the right God. I remember when this became real for me because somebody actually asked me. It was really a recording. It's a pastor, and I think this is a pretty prominent sermon. You can look up on the Internet where John Piper is uh, preaching, and he just says, if you were to go to heaven... And have everything that you have ever wanted. And that you'd be able to find no no, uh, sickness, no death. You'd have all the wealth. You'd have all your friends and all your family in heaven. But God wasn't there. Would you be satisfied? Would you be satisfied? Everything you've ever wanted, you got to heaven and God wasn't there. But everybody you loved was and everything you liked and loved was. Would you be satisfied? The question that's asked is meant to move us toward realizing that God is the gospel. God is the one. He's the object of our faith. And if I want to know what authentic Christianity is, the question that I have to answer is really simply, who am I looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? Even when I think about heaven and paradise and eternal life, do I realize with Jesus himself praying in the garden just before his crucifixion in John 17 and verse 3, that eternal life is knowing God and the son who he sent? Do I think that eternal life is just a long Unending existence? No, there are going to be, there's going to be long, unending existence for every person who's ever been born on the face of the earth and also the unborn. There's two destinations. So eternal life is not just existing forever. It's knowing and being known by God. So authentic Christianity, I think, is just... Um, best understood as central to, or faith is central to it. Before we jump to our next point, I wanted to make sure to anchor this observation. Um, I, I, I want to make sure that when we think about the true faith and who the true God is, we, uh, we, we, we consider what is true. And it's right here in our text. If you jump down to the middle of verse 5, middle of verse 5, he says, Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel, which has come to you. 
as indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing, and he goes on. Paul, knowing that there's some false teachers among the Colossians who also propagate a faith and a belief and a religion, he quickly moves to fasten their faith to the gospel. So the first thing he did is he made it known, we're talking about your faith in God, but at the same time, your faith is because of the good news of Jesus Christ and what God has done in him to reconcile the whole world back to himself. He says, of this you have heard. He calls it the word of truth. He calls it the gospel, which just means good news. And then he also calls it the grace of God in truth. Some real quick notes, just quick notes on this. Our faith is received, and it should be and it is anchored in the word. It's not just a blind thing. It's not just something that's out there and you uh, can pull it off of, uh, or, or you, you, know, you pull something off of the shelf and you just have this real confidence that, you know what, things are going to work out good for me. It should be anchored in the word. He calls it the word of truth. And he goes on and calls it the good news. He doesn't say it's good advice, right? The gospel has content. It's communicated. It's news. It's heralded. It's spread. And it's received well. From there, he goes on and calls it the word or the grace of God in truth. So twice he uses this idea of truth. Friday, Jamie and I were out in um, somewhere, somewhere nearby, and we were just kind of exploring an organization and talking to some people. I don't want to bash anybody, so that's why I'm talking generally. If you want to ask me about it later, we can. But at the end of the day, we meet with these folks, and everything sounded so great. If you didn't have ears to hear, it was all about free thinking and freedom and the rejection of authority and relativism. What's true for me is true for me, and what's true for you is true for you. And it was really questioning every, every single thing, questioning everything. And it was all really just based in this reality that I think our culture has taken uh, stabs at truth for forever, but we specifically, I think, live in the Western United States and even in Southern California, and even for some of us, I mean, you know without a shadow of a doubt that in Ventura specifically, we live in a place where truth is like, it's not something that is objective, it's very subjective. And so they're selling themselves to us, essentially saying, live your truth. Live your truth. It's very hippie and very, uh, you know, natural and all these things. And it just made dawned on me and it made me think like, you know what, I think you can be as country or as crunchy as you want, but the truth is still true. Freedom is, is, is good. The ability to live and, and, and have the things that naturally come to you be the things that you lead with, I think that there's an element of that that is right and well and okay. But when it comes down to saying that we're going to reject an objective standard of truth, namely the gospel, we have to ask ourselves whether or not if my truth says your truth is a lie, is it still true? The gospel itself, which is what anchors our faith reminds us that the truth is still true and there's only one truth. Paul calls it the word of truth. He calls it the grace of God in truth. 
And now that we've seen, I think, uh, enough that authentic Christianity is accepted by faith, faith in God and faith that is anchored in the gospel, let's look then and see how it's applied in love. Look at verse 3, the second half of it. And also we're going to look at verse number 8. Verse 3b, it says, and of the love that you have for all the saints. Verse number 8, he says, your love in the spirit. Remember, he's saying, when I pray, I'm thankful to God for your love. He said, I'm thankful for the faith you have in Jesus Christ. And now he's saying, I'm thankful for your love, your love in the spirit, your love for all the saints. If you remember anything about our one another series, we said that when you go across the New Testament, you're going to run into some different loves. And there's at least two that are pretty uh, like uh, side by side oftentimes, and you got to make sure that you understand what love is being spoken of there. One is phileo, right? That, that city of brotherly love is Philadelphia, we know it. It's about warm affection. It's about uh, what we consider, you know, kind of liking someone or having an attachment to a thing or a person or a place. That's really what phileo is. It's just about affinity, Agape, on the other hand, which is what's used here twice in verse 3 and in verse 8, is this purposeful, social, moral, relational love. It's something that's practical. We walked through that in our One Another series, and we said it's not about developing a liking for one another. It's about having, or, or not just about having feelings for one another. He's saying you have responsibility towards one another that's self-sacrificing. You want to know if you're an authentic Christian. You want to know if your faith is sure. You have people trying to unsettle you and say, but you don't do it this way and we do it that way. You don't add this to your religious experience. Consider the agape that is so prevalent among you. He says, I can see your Christianity is authentic because you love God's people sacrificially even when it costs you. In my life right now, friends, we're getting ready to move. We have to find a place to live. We've been looking. We've been looking all over. And it's an interesting experience. To We moved to Ventura with nine people. Now we got ten of them. And it's like nobody wants to rent to us. <laughs> and as much as we're looking and looking forward to what will happen and where we'll be when we finally find that place, you know what? It's very bitter sweet it's hard it's hard because of you it's hard because of you Sean when I think about Jamie calling and saying would you guys go look at this house we found on Craigslist and you and Daisy going out there and doing that and what that meant for us coming to Ventura I thank God in my prayers always for you because of your love for all the saints, including Jamie, myself, and our children. When I say you, you know who I'm talking about. Your love is known even though you didn't know me and I didn't even know you. That's the context. Paul's in prison. He's writing to the Colossians. He's never even met them. He said, but I know about the way you love God's people. Somebody trying to tell you you're not real. Are you kidding me? Look at the way you sacrifice for people you don't even know. 
You guys loved us sacrificially, unconditionally, to the degree that it cost you time, talent, treasure. You did so willingly. And you continue to serve one another in the same manner. Friends, I think if you're wondering about your relationship today with God and the authenticity of your Christianity, let me just let you know that people know you by your love. And it comes up time and time and time again. Came up again this week in our gospel community. The testimony of one of the people who was there was like, yeah, we were going to another church. But we went over and visited this church. And it was like, I don't know what that was, but we're never leaving. And they've been here for three years last week. Love is contagious. And it is very telling as it relates to authenticity and our faith and our relationship to the Lord. Our last point is just that not only is it that uh, authenticity is, 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 is clear or clearly perceived as it's accepted by faith and applied in love, but it's very clear that in this text, he sees all of your faith and your love having arisen from your hope. It arises from hope. Verse 5 Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, you love, you have faith, you are spoken well of even by Epaphras when he comes back and tells us about your love for all the people. He does that and I see you that way and I can see that that springs up. If you have a new international version, that's the way it was translated. It springs out of. Your hope, the hope that's laid up for you in heaven. So when we think about that faith, hope, and love that Paul likes to talk about and how it's like this shorthand for just saying, this is what a genuine Christian is. This is what authentic Christianity looks like. When we think about that, we need to see that faith and love are expressed and easily seen from a person who's not got their hope in this world and what's here but in what's been laid up and and stored for us in heaven. This whole five verses is one sentence in the original language. There's no periods and commas and three, four, five, six, seven, eight, the way that we see it. Paul's like hinging everything on the hope that is laid up for you in heaven. That's what motivates you. Your faith your love for each other, the way you serve one another sacrificially, the fact that I can see that you are God's people is because of the hope that you have in heaven laid up for you. I think the best way to understand it is that he's saying the Colossians' faith and their love is because of their common hope of heaven, right? You got Epaphras, he preached the gospel to them, and they didn't have any hope. If we know Ephesians chapter 2, you were formerly in the world without hope is what it says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. But the gospel brought the hope, the promise, the reality of heaven to you. 
And on account of this hope, you have faith in Jesus Christ. And because you believe in him, you love like nobody's business. If you're asking yourself, what is authentic Christianity and how do I know whether or not I genuinely am born again, you can look and take inventory of your life just in faith, hope, and love. And you should primarily be able to see that hope is not referred to this act of like, like I always talk about, it's a totally different thing for my kids to deduce the dad gets off at 4, it takes him 15 minutes to drive across the city, he should be here between 4.15 and 4.20, and when I get there, they're waiting expectantly because it's like, yeah, I can see dad did what we know he ought to have done, so I'm just hoping that he would have brought some Taco Bell home today or whatever it was, right? (laughs) And then I walk in with broccoli, and it's like, oh, (laughs) That's totally different than the hope that we have, which is a promise of heaven, an eternal life that has been given to us that says, hey, this is what you will receive in Jesus Christ when the Son of God is revealed at a later time. And so everything we experience here, all the good and the bad, it's like it just keeps leading us to look upward, to to not set our minds on the world, but on things that are above, right? Right? Since we're going to expend eternity with our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we delight in, like, learning how to do that more and more as the day draws near today. That's what Hebrews 10.25 says when it says, don't forsake the fellowship and the assembling together of yourselves. You're going to one day be with each other for, like, ever. So if you can't stand somebody right now, move closer to them. point is that the foundation for faith and love is our hope for heaven. That hope is certain. It's laid up for us because it's not based on what we do. I hope you heard today, I'm not talking about your authentic Christianity being anything that you do. It's just who you are. Stop trying to act like a Christian and just be one. Because of the hope that's laid up for us, it's based on the promises of God who cannot lie even though it's not yet realized. And so we live like it already, but not yet. You ever read our website? Situated in the heart of Ventura, Arise seeks to be used by God to provide answers to the deepest longings of our souls, purpose, love, and a sense of belonging that exceed the comforts of coastal ease and prepare us for true paradise. I'm pretty convinced that as American Christians and Venturan Christians who have things pretty put together for us, even if we do have too much month at the end of the money and if if we do suffer certain things and we deal with certain things, maybe even in our bodies, I, I think we do pretty well in the world and it's hard for us. It's hard for us at times to remember that this is not our home and neither is it our hope. I think we can live too much for the comforts of this world and not enough for the world to come. Paul wrote to another church and he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if we've hoped in Christ in this life only, we're of all men the most to be pitied. Can you say that with him? That's what challenged me this week. So I think about the things that I still want to accomplish, the things that I would love to have, the places I would love to go, the people that I would love to meet. Is my hope here 
or is it in heaven? That's just making it practical for us, friends. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just true about us. I know that nothing can hold a candle to what we look forward to in heaven, being with God forever and ever. But I also know to a lesser degree that we struggle with that. This week, what was helpful to me is to see that to the extent that, or the extent that we sense how fleeting and how uncertain life is, we can actually do that. And it's going to probably come out by thankfulness and by prayer. As we see that the world's passing away and it's bringing the object of our faith, we see that our love is, 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 is experiential here and as deep as it can go is still shallow. But at that time when we see him and we experience the fullness of his love even spread out across every tribe and tongue and nation and a number of people that can't even be numbered. When we see that, it won't be a, a dim. We struggle with it now, but God gives us thankfulness and prayer. In this text, there is this... Um, you know, audience, Paul's writing to the Colossians. And so we can focus a lot on faith, hope, and love and what they do, their love for all the saints and their love in the spirit and all the things that he says about them. But I think it's also right to look at the model of Paul. This is a man who hasn't met them who's saying that in my prayers, I always thank God for you. Thankfulness and prayer is just another, I think, another um, relative to faith, hope, and love. If you genuinely have the faith, hope, and love that's resident in you, that's transformative in this way, and that uh, assures us of our authentic Christianity, then you're most likely going to be characterized by thankfulness and prayer. Very uh, geek, dorky to me. In studying, thankfulness, it's the word that we get the Eucharist from. It's actually just Eucharisto. That's how we refer to the communion table. The bread that represents the body of the Lord Jesus Christ has been called the Eucharist. It still is to this day in some Christian and Catholic tradition. We just call it bread that we got from Trader Joe's or whatever, right? <laughs> and wine and the juice. But the Eucharist, the idea is that I come to this place and I receive the gospel with thankfulness. Would you do that today, new and afresh? If your faith is in Jesus Christ, and it has brought you into a loving relationship with God and his people because of the hope that's laid up for you forever and ever and ever in heaven, when you come to the Eucharist today, I want you to see that Paul just tells us that we should be thankful for it. We should be thankful for the gospel because it's good news to us. And it also reminds us that I'm authentically Christian, not because of what I do, but because of what he's done. For as often as you eat or drink it, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. <laughs> 